Hello and welcome to another episode of the Backcheck, the hockey history podcast where we evaluate players' cases for the Hall of Fame. My name is Riley and I'm with Bill. Hey, how you doing? I'm good, how about you? I'm doing alright, thanks. And today we have, I think it's the 1986 class, I should have looked that up beforehand. Um, <laughs> it's 86 or 85, I'm just going to pull as long it as you have the As long as you have the guys right, I think. Yeah, I have the guys right. It, was, it is 86. I got it right. It's 86. It's 85 is a little... Well, 85 is iffy, too. <laughs> this class is uh, is interesting. Uh, it's got two defensemen and one defensive forward. Um, it's interesting because, uh, for one thing, um, Leo uh, Boivin, Boivin, however you pronounce it, um, is thought by some to be the weakest original six defenseman or possibly weakest original six NHL player to have been inducted into the Hall of Fame. And you could maybe argue possibly aside from, yeah, just maybe even the weakest uh, defenseman to be in the Hall of Fame prior to Kevin Lowe being inducted. And honestly, who knows? Because the thing is, as we're going to find out, uh, Bob Ant didn't play for good teams. Kevin Lowe did. So, uh, that might be the only real difference. Uh, and then we have Dave Keon, um, certainly one of the all-time great Maple Leafs, but a guy whose case rests very much on not stats, uh, which we will get to. And lastly, we have Serge Savard, one of the Habs' big three defensemen from the 1970s, and in his in this case, the 1960s. So we're going to start off with Leo Bobin, um, and uh, he played from... 1951 to 1970, so a very long time, 18 seasons. 16 of those were quality by our best estimate. He played pre-Bobby Orr, and so his offensive numbers are uh, not good. He had 72 goals lifetime. He had 250 assists, which was ninth all-time among defensemen at his retirement. He retired, of course, right at the very beginning of the offensive explosion. Um, and then he was also 11th all-time in points at his retirement. It is worth noting that since he was inducted, Plus minus records have extended back to 1959, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, yeah, and in that time, we have discovered that he is minus 212. My goodness. He would have been much less than that when he was inducted because the league records were only 67 through 70. So we're talking about three seasons of his career. And so when he was inducted, they probably thought he was minus 33. Yeah. But he's minus 212, and he was fifth last all time. He is fifth last all time, and he was last at his retirement had those records existed. Of course, they didn't, but we now know that he had the worst plus minus in history when he retired, and which begs the question, why why did they induct him? Well, they didn't know that in 1986. Uh, Official plus minus records only went back to 67. I just wanted to get that out of the way. So he's... 322 points and minus 212 in 1150 games. That does not look very good. And it's very not, easy not, to see. Not compared with now, it sure doesn't. <laughs> yeah, it's very easy to see uh, why some people might not like the fact that he's in the Hall of Fame. He was 10th all-time in games played. At his retirement, he was 16th in defensive. Oh, sorry. in uh, He's 16th among defensemen in point shares at his retirement. That is something else that didn't exist in 1986. Uh, he is... He was 14th all-time in defensive point shares at his retirement. And he was the 25th uh, defenseman in offensive point shares all-time at his retirement. Which get, 
shows you how little defenseman scored because he had 322 points in 1150 games. Now the now the the, the minus 212 that we're looking at. Yeah. Is there a possibility that he played against the Montreal Canadiens every single game? Because that uh, minus 212 is not that bad anymore. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's he was on so he he had some really bad team luck. Like he was on the Leafs briefly to start his career, and then he was on Boston before they got Esposito. Yeah, like before they were any good. Yeah. Yeah. So they were terrible. He, he one year he was minus 46 for Boston in the early 60s. And then Boston traded him to Detroit as Detroit was declining. Howe was getting older. And then he played for Pittsburgh and Minnesota at the beginning of their franchise existences. And you can imagine he was minus on those. He was um, he was plus one of the records we have, which are half his career. He was plus one one season. That's 63-64. The rest of the time he was a minus player. Of course, we don't have any of those numbers for his Toronto years or the first half of his Boston career. So it's entirely possible he would not be minus 212 if we had those information, especially you got to think that those Toronto numbers might help a bit because uh, yeah. Toronto in the early 50s when they were good. Yeah. But anyway, so obviously he doesn't qualify for any per game stats, but if we lower them so much that he does, he was eighth all time in assists per game among defensemen at his retirement, but that's out of nine players who would have qualified and he was last out of all qualifying players in points per game. So again, not an offensive player. Of the 10 defensemen to play in at least 820 games or 10 seasons between 51, 10 modern seasons between 51 and 70, all of whom are in the Hall of Fame, it's worth pointing out. So the Hall has just inducted these 10 guys because they played in the original six era. Uh, so of the 10 players, uh, is seventh in goals, last in goals per game, though no one actually would qualify. He's third last in assists. He's second last in assists per game. He's third last in points. He's last in points per game. You get the idea. He is also minus 119 behind the second last place guy in plus minus. 119 minus 119. I don't know how many players are minus 119 for their careers, but it's not that many. It's not that many. So he either had some of the worst luck in history or just like that guy. I don't remember his name. That guy who is the single season um, plus minus record for the Capitals that one year in the 70s. He's just like the unluckiest man ever. Um, <laughs> same thing. Or, or he just, you know, uh, as as Down Goes Brown once said about plus minus, it's a really bad stat in single games and over the course of a season, but over the course of a career, it might tell you something. Um, his 82 game average, 23 points, minus 15. Again, we don't have his whole career. That's the part of his career we have. And five point shares. That is not the um, 82 game average of a Hall of Fame player. Uh, 70 game average for his three year peak of 53 to 56 is 16 points. Uh, that was pre plus minus tracking. So no idea whether it was plus or minus playoffs, uh, 13 points in 54 games. And guess what? He's plus two in the playoffs. Amazing. Incredible. Amazing. He elevated his game big time. <laughs> yeah, now here's, here's the problem. Of those uh, of those uh, seven years he played in the playoffs, only two were in the uh, track plus minus. So we actually have no idea. Um, anyway, um, of the 32 defensemen to play in at least 41 playoff games between 51 and 70, he is uh, 14th in goals, 17th in assists, 15th in points. So much more middle of the pack in this case. Um, hockey references adjustment for era. Uh, Bumps him up slightly to 26 points per 82 games, so that's plus three. Um, 
but like that's his original six. It's not really a surprise. It doesn't do much. And he obviously doesn't qualify for the versus X era adjustment because he didn't score. We have many trades, which is another possible indication that he was not a super valuable player. Uh, I'm always wary because some people say like a guy gets traded a lot. It's a really good indication. They are not good, but like we've seen plenty of guys get traded many times for other reasons, contract reasons, supposed culture reasons, um, cheapness of owner reasons, you know, absolutely cheapness of owner reasons. Yeah. A lot of great players have been traded for that. And sometimes just, you know, the team decides to rebuild and like that guy's still a great player for a contender. But yeah. by the time we're good again, he's going to be falling apart. So let's get rid of him kind of thing. You know, and the guy's still very good. Just he doesn't fit with what you're trying to do. So, yeah. So um, before he ever played in an NHL game, he was traded um, with Fern Flamen, Phil Maloney, and Ken Smith to the Maple Leafs for Bill Azinki and Vic Lynn. I've heard of one of those two guys. That is Vic Lynn. I don't really know how good a player he was, but I've heard of Fern Flamen. Um, it sure feels like, you know, if, uh, if Leo, um, well, that was actually for inflame is in the hall of fame. So you, you know, you get, uh, two hall of fame defensemen with a huge asterisk next to the two in the hall of fame. Um, then, uh, that's that trade maybe worked out for the Leafs. Um, four years later, he was traded to the Bruins for Joe Clue, Clay, um, and then 11 years later, after a long career getting shelled or, or giving up lots of goals or something uh, with the Bruins, he was traded with Dean Prentice to the Red Wings for Gary Doak, uh, Bill Lezik, Ron Murphy, and Steve Atkinson. We know Dean Prentice is, but the other names are not really ringing a bell to me. Uh, he was left unprotected in in expansion in the expansion draft at 34, and then at age 36, he was traded for Dwayne Rupp. Um, so nothing really like earth shattering there, but a couple names in those trades. Weirdly, he was on the side of the big name player being traded in both those cases. Um, so safe to say, whoever was getting Dean Prentice and Fern Flamen in the case, it was the Leafs in uh, the first trade and uh, Detroit in the second trade. I think they probably won those trades. But many players involved, most of whom I've never heard of. I don't know you. Nope, like nothing at all. <laughs> yeah. So his accomplishments. Um, he was top five in Norris voting once in 18 years. Now, keep in mind the first three seasons of his career, there wasn't a Norris, but that's only the first three seasons. The rest of it, there was. And he only was top five once. He was also minus 18 when he finished top five voting in Norris. You got to think that they felt bad for the Bruins or something. They were like, a Bruin should be in the, the nomination list. Or maybe the, the Boston voters were like, this poor guy, I don't know. Um, he was in three All-Star Game appearances, or three All-Star Games. I mean, also he was, I forgot to mention, he was top five in Calder voting in his uh, first proper season in the league. He lost out, let me see if I can see it. He lost out to Gump Worsley and somebody named Gord Hannigan. All right, then. Uh, wow. Gump, Gump Worsley is a pretty, uh, yeah. pretty good player. So. Yeah, that seems legit. Um, he was only once ever a top 10 defensive player by hockey reference point shares. Um, and that is, uh, not the year he was nominated for a Norris. So it doesn't always line up. And lastly, 
the teams he did they did well. Um, all we really got is uh, the '57 Bruins went to the the finals, and he had five points in ten games, which is a hell of a lot for a defenseman in the '50s. And so, at yep. least by stats, he was the best defenseman on that team. Also, um, he was on plenty of first round teams that lost, but he led the playoffs in penalties in minutes. Um, when you, oh, actually, that team went to the finals too. No mistake, they went to the finals in '58. So, two, the like the end of a good Bruins era before they started to suck. Um, but he never won a cup. Um, he did. He was also in a um, the the '66 Red Wings also went. Uh, to the finals with him, but he was a role player as far as we can tell by points. We have no idea. So because of when he played, because he was a defensive defenseman, we really don't know if he was really good and just he was good and unlucky or he's in because he played for a really long time and guys remembered him or who knows what. Um, But I don't know you, Bill. It sure seems like people are right to bring him up on the Internet as a good example of the Hall getting it wrong. I I would say so. I mean, it's there's nothing jumping out as making him seem like he really should be there. And it's like, well, you know, having a good memory of the oh, that guy played for a long time. He was rock solid. It's like there doesn't seem to be anything anything you can really point to. Like, let's just say he was always on bad teams, but his plus minus was actually pretty good. Then you'd be like, okay, so he was sort of the one redeeming guy those bad teams had. But yeah. not doesn't the stats don't seem to tell that now. You know, if we went back and watched a lot of his games, maybe we'd see something else. But it doesn't seem like he was that big of a difference maker. Yeah, and like, you know, only top five in Norris voting once makes it really, really hard to believe that, like, people strongly felt that he was, uh, you know, a good player. Because there are plenty of defensive defensemen from that era who got lots of Norris voting or Norris nominations once, um, once the trophy existed. and. You know, he didn't make a he didn't make an end of year All Star team. They existed the whole career. You know, he just like it's he didn't really do any. I mean, I don't I don't know. I never obviously I never watched him play, but he has like you said, there's nothing to point to that yeah. says this guy is a Hall of Famer. So it does feel like a bizarre choice, and you wonder if anybody on the committee in 1986 knew him personally or something. Um, I don't know. I'm. I'm always. I always think there could be some kind of. He's still alive. I don't know. No, he is. He's 80. Just turned 80 uh, two months ago. That's not not that old. I, I would have expected him to be a lot older for some yeah. reason. Yeah. Me too. Um. Anyway. Uh. Yeah. Seems pretty open and shut. So up next we have one that I think probably divides both some fan bases and also maybe more so generations, a guy who um, is considered one of the all-time greatest Leafs, but also if you look at his offensive numbers, sure seems like he doesn't belong, and he is in principally because of his reputation as a defensive player before the Selkie existed. Um, You know, I think if the Selkie existed in the 60s, we would expect him to have some Selkies. and uh, maybe just like his teammate Bob Pulford, who we also were looking at, and actually has less of a case without Selkies than um, Keon does, for reasons you'll see shortly. Um, but you know, I think least many Leafs fans, especially ones who were watching at the time, would be adamant that he's a Hall of Famer. I don't know how people for other fan bases feel, but like 
it's just anyway as you'll see the, the stats are they're eh. <laughs> so he played in the NHL from 1960 to 1975 and then again from 1979 to 1982 which adds up to absurd 18 seasons 17 which were quality um, if you're wondering why there's that four-year gap in there or five-year gap, it's because he went to the WHA because the Leafs owner was was terrible. Um, and then he refused to be involved with the Leafs for like 40 years afterwards. Uh, when he went to the WHA, so we're talking about 75, he was 14th all-time in goals, uh, which sounds like a lot. It was slightly under 400. He was 15th all-time in assists. And 15th all-time in points, plus 61. That's in 1,300 games. Um, he had 86.5 point shares. And at his departure to the WJ, he was 21st all-time in offensive point shares. And 15th forward all-time in defensive point shares, which can't take that too seriously because defensive point shares, especially when it comes to forwards, are really just... It's just a calculation. It doesn't really mean anything. Um, he does not... If you're wondering, well, he's like top 50 at all time in points and goals and stuff. Doesn't that sound like he belongs in the Hall of Fame? He is not anywhere near uh, the per game top 15. In fact, we usually cut it off at 25, and he doesn't qualify even when he retired because he had 986 points in 1,300 games, which is not, it's certainly this day and age, not that great. Yeah. However, of the 15 skaters to play in 982 games or 11 modern seasons between 1960 and 1975, he is fifth in goals, seventh in assists, and fifth in points. So a top five offensive player in goals and points and top seven assists. So that's something. And he's fifth in plus minus as well, fifth in offensive point shares. So that makes him look a lot better. He's also um, fifth in defensive point shares. And I have third or fourth forward written there. And I think that's because... Um, What's his name? The guy who played defense and then went to. Uh, um, oh, I, he's on the tip of my tongue. He he went. He became a forward with the Blackhawks. Um, he was a defenseman and then he became a Blackhawks. Anyway, he was ahead of him. Uh, his name I can't. I don't know why I can't remember. Anyway, uh, eighty-two game average of sixty-two points plus four, which is right around the lower end for a Hall of Famer. Usually, when we're talking about these things, and. Funnily enough, when I tried to calculate his three-year peak, he had a tie. 61 and 64 and 70 and 73, he had the same exact same points per game, which is kind of funny. So between 61 and 70, 64, he had a 70-game average of 61 points plus 21. So that's, you know, it's it's close. It's not a point per game, but it's close, and plus 21 is quite good. And 70-73, 78-game average of 68 points, again, a little bit below, 10 points below. And plus 10, but of course the Leafs were much worse in the early 70s than they were in the early 60s. Uh, playoffs. He was 19th all-time in playoff goals when he left for the WHA and 23rd all-time in points and 20th all-time in plus-minus, but it's 68 points in 92 games, so again, well off a of point-per-game pace. He was 20th all-time in goals per game and 23rd all-time in playoff points per game when he went to the WHA. So I'm also being kind because, of course, his last couple of seasons in the NHL would have skewed yeah. uh, the per-game stuff in the all-time rankings. Of the 33 skaters to play in 82 playoff games between 1960 and 1975, he is 10th in playoff goals, 14th in playoff assists, and 12th, or sorry, 11th in playoff points, 
that sounds and ninth and plus minus that makes him sound worse than the regular season but it's important to know that he would have been checking um the other team's best center so much like other scores we talked about uh, he wasn't focused on scoring probably hockey reference um adjustment for era i believe doesn't do much at all uh though i might be misreading that hold on one moment i'll scroll back up yeah it's the, it, it doesn't affect him one iota he's still 64 points per 82 games so and that's partly because uh there's a particular year that is used to calculate adjustment for error and keon played through it um versus x adjustment bumps him way up to 490 goals and 1,064 points. It still doesn't make him a point-per-game player, but it likes him a lot more than the hockey reference adjustment for Arrow and, and puts him a lot closer to a point-per-game player. It's still nowhere near, but, like, it's, you know. Yeah. So, WHA. 291 points in 301 games, so almost a point-per-game player in the WHA, keeping in mind he was in his late 30s when he was there. So... You know, the fact that he wasn't a point-per-game player in the WHA is not really a, a huge indictment of him because he was, like, 35 when he got there. Yeah. Um, he had a 82-game average of 78 points, plus 14, which is pretty good, and a three-year peak of being a point-per-game um, and plus 18. So it looks pretty good, but, of course, it was the WHA. In the playoffs, he had 13 goals, 36 points in 36 games, so a point-per-game player in the playoffs as well. Um, he was never traded in the NHL, but he was traded in the WHA. Um, and uh, the first time, it was for unknown compensation. The second time... So, the, it's... The WHA was... Like, I've never read a book about it, but it was a crazy, crazy league, and everyone was, you know... Um, it was uh <laughs> it's hard it's hard to know so basically what happened is he was traded by the toronto franchise in the wha to minnesota minnesota then folded and he became a free agent and then he signed with indianapolis and he was traded to the new minnesota franchise <laughs> does that make any sense no yep. um <laughs> and then not very long after that he was traded um in a in a uh, big deal. <laughs> oh, sorry. So sorry, uh, I skipped one. Then he was traded back. I, I somehow he found his way to Edmonton. I don't know how he found his way to Edmonton. And then he was traded back to Minnesota <laughs> again for the third time in in two years. Um, trying to make sense of that. I don't know. But uh, the the third of those trades was a really really big one. It was a three team trade. Um, involving Edmonton and the Whalers. Um, oh, sorry. Sorry, he was traded back. Yeah, he's traded back to uh, Minnesota, and then he was traded to the Whalers. So he finally got out away from Minnesota, and that's how he ended up in the Whalers when they came into the NHL. Um, but most of the names, I think just John McKenzie, Dave Dryden, Ken Dryden's brother, I believe. There's a few other names in there, but most most of the names are not um, big ones. There was a whole bunch of people involved in this three-team trade in which he went from Edmonton to Minnesota, to the Whalers, and honestly, I don't know how he got into Edmonton because that transaction is not listed. We won't try to sort the, that out. It's just how do you get traded at the same time three times in two uh, th Same fran city, I guess, not franchise. Three times in two years? I don't know. The WHA was a giant mess. Um, he was top five hard 
in Heart Voting once. He won the Calder in 1961. He famously or infamously, depending on your feelings, won the Conn Smythe in 1968 or 67. I don't know why that says 68. It's very clearly 67. That is the last time he won the Cup. He also won the Lady Bing twice. He was a second all uh, second team All Star twice, and he has eight All Star games. He was a top 10 offensive player four times in, in 62, 63, 64, and then again 71. Um, he was in, uh, he was on the goal leaderboard, uh, three times top 10 and top 10 goal three and four times. And he was in the points leaderboard, uh, once or sorry, twice rather, uh, scored 35 goals a few times. Um, he scored 20 goals, 11 times. And he was only one of 13 players ever to do so by, when he left for the WHA. Uh, he scored 50 points, 13 times and only one of, uh, 10 players ever to do so, um, when he left for the WHA, but neither of them are super, super impressive. This is, he only scored 70 points twice, but he, of course, played part of his career in the original six. Um, the versus XP, which is an adjustment I like to look at, his best seven seasons. He's 94th all time in goals, 151st all time in assists, and 145th all time in points. That doesn't look so great. Um, best 10 season, though, he improves. He's 71st all time in goals, 120th all time in points or assists at 120th all-time in points. So I don't know how we feel about that, but certainly better than the best seven. Um, in the WHA, he won the Dino twice, which I believe is the Lady Bing equivalent. Um, he was top 10 assists once, top 10 assists per game once as well. But despite being a, essentially a point-per-game player, he never was top in top 10 in points because it's the WHA. So he... Was like I said, the MVP of the 67 Leafs. I suspect it's probably worthwhile briefly bringing up why some people, including me at least when I was younger, think that's a little weird. And the reason being that he was, I'm just looking at the playoff stats now, he was uh, tied for uh, fourth in goals on his team with Frank Mahovlich and Tim Horton and Brian Conacher. Um, he was uh, tied for fifth in assists on his team with Tim Horton and Red Kelly. And points-wise, he was uh, tied with Tim Horton for sixth or fifth, sorry. Um, so the argument being he is such a good defensive player that he, um, despite being seven points behind Jim Pappen for the points lead in only 12 games that um, he, he, you know, that he made up that difference in, uh, in his defensive play. I don't know how much anyone buys that except for the people who watched it and claim he's one of the best defensive forwards of all time. I don't know. I do think, I think there's a narrative thing here, partly because the team was led by Jim Pappen in, in points that year when they won the cup mm-hmm. and, and then, Pete Stemkowski, and I think honestly that they were looking at it and they were like, we can't give the consmite to those guys. They're not, we know, like, Pete Stemkowski is basically a rookie, and Jim Pappen, no one thinks Jim Pappen is better than Frank Pavlich or Bob Pulford or Tim Horton or Dave Keon, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think people think that. Uh, and uh, I think if you look at, um, you know, I, I think Johnny Bauer had an incredible. Uh, season, but he was not the starter, and you know Terry Sawchuk had a pretty good playoff as well. 
but Sawchuck uh, didn't play in, in a bunch of games or, or had to be pulled at least in two games. So despite playing really well the rest of the time. So I think some of this is just literally they were like, who do we give this to? We don't want to give it to this guy who had probably the best like 12 games of his career in Jim Pappen. Um, with, by the way, a 16% shooting percentage. So uh, there's a problem. Anyway, um, <laughs> I was not alive. I did, I've not. I've never sat down and watched. I should see the footage. I should really watch the last Leafs team to win a cup. Um, anyway, so <laughs> I, was to, I was about to say, I can guarantee it'll be black and white. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I've never actually sat down and watched the game. So maybe I should have done that before we talked about him. Because anyway. Um, before we do talk about it, there's uh, one other, uh, two other things to mention. One is that he was the best player by points. Imagine that on a champion in 63, but the Consmite didn't exist yet, so it's possible he would have won the Consmite in 63 that. anyway. He also won two other cups um, in. Uh, how did I? I clicked too much. Um, he also won two other cups in 62 and 64. And then he was also probably the best player by points on a Whalers team that went to the final, the WHA final four in 79. And he did make it to the Avco cup final the year before with the Whalers, but uh, he was only a top three, four in points. All right. So I, I feel like you were about to say something. Bill, about um, yeah. It's just, I, I think you touched on all the things that, that make him, uh, like maybe give him a legitimate case to be in like played on iconic teams um we've, we've seen that before where it's like a player who you look at the stats you go really and then you're like oh okay this team that team this team um you know big time playoff success um re- reputation as a like premier defensive forward before we yeah. had awards such as the selkie um you know was top in points for a cup winner so that was before the consmite existed you probably Maybe if you don't think he deserves the other one, he still got a legitimate one. Um, I would say I would say Johnny Bauer in that '63 playoff run, a 9.49 save percentage and a 1.6 GAA and two shutouts in in ten okay. games. So, that's, so yeah, maybe maybe that's not. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> that anyway, said, though, like he, he he did at least you know lead the team. Yeah, score. he, he led his team in points. Yeah, you know he's got multiple cups and and I I think the narrative of being, you know, that last Leafs team to win the, win the cup is like, like look how many Leafs we've seen that got into a part of those sort of last oh, yeah. teams of the fifties and sixties when they actually won cups on a regular basis. And it was sort of either them or Montreal dominating the league. And it's like, yeah. well, you know, if you're part of that sort of glut of Stanley cups from the fifties and sixties, you're, you're going to get in. If you were one of the better players on that team, it's yeah. going to happen. And, right? and he was top five. In his era in offense. Yeah. I, I, I don't think he has an awful case. Yeah. Yeah. I used to think his case was much worse than I do now. Um, and I think a lot of that came from the fact that I just looked at his like 67 playoff run, his numbers only, and looked yeah. at the consmith and was like, huh? <laughs> Before I knew that he had a reputation for being like, you know, possibly the best defensive forward of his era. I mean, we have no idea. Um, the only things that really, the only things that really uh, go to that outside of the reputation is the fact that he did win that Consmite, um, and that someone voted for him for the Hart Trophy in '71, despite having only 76 points in 76 games at a time when people were just, you know, 
Phil Esposito was scoring 150 points at the same time, or rough or close to that. Um, I have no idea what to do with him, honestly, partly because I've never seen, I don't know if I've seen footage longer than a few seconds of him play hockey. Um, and I do feel like maybe I should have like tried to find footage of the, of the Leafs in that final <laughs> before well, I got on here. But given life, that you know, you're a Leafs fan, I would say that probably, but at the same time, you know, when you have a full-time job, having, you know, the time to go back and watch old hockey games from 50 yep. plus yep. years ago is, you know, not, not reasonable. <laughs> it, it is not reasonable. And also, you know, there are other things in life um, that exist aside from old hockey footage, which you might watch instead. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I mean, I think he's in and booting him out seems silly. I do wish this, I, I've said this many times. I wish the cell he had existed longer, um, both for Craig Ramsey's sake and for Dave Keon's sake and probably other people, maybe Bob Pulford's sake. Maybe I wouldn't have been so hard on him on that episode if he had a selkie. Um, and probably guys in the fifties who we don't even know about who are considered really good defensive forwards, but nobody knows that anymore. Um, you know, we, we, uh, in our first, in our heart trophy thing, we spent a lot of time sort of criticizing the decision to give the first ever heart trophy to Frank Nybor. But if you go on the internet and read about him, people think he was one of the best defensive forwards in history, but of course he has only a heart trophy to show for it. Um, and, and some people talking about how he supposedly invented, uh, you know, the stick check. Um, and it is, it does feel like, as we've said many times about the Selkie, about the Norris, and about the Vesna, the fact that hockey oh, didn't have very many awards before a certain point is kind of, it's, you know, it doesn't help people. It would have been nicer to have more. And I'm sure they couldn't pay for the trophies or something. <laughs> it was not a very successful sport for a long time financially. But um, it just would have been it would have been helpful, you know, to have some more voting records and stuff. Like if if Keon is like top five in Selkie voting like seven times, you know, like I I feel like that really helps me think about his career. Yeah. But, but he he isn't because he was he was top nine in Selkie voting when he was forty one, but that's all we got. Um, <laughs> and he was minus thirty two, so I don't know how seriously to take that. And he was 41. I mean, anyway, we'll come back to it at the end, but I really have no idea what to do with him. <laughs> All right. Lastly, we have um, another defensive-oriented player. At least he's a defenseman this time. And that is Serge Savard, uh, one of the big three. And um, he played from 66 to 83 at 17 seasons, 14 of which we judge as quality. He had 106 goals, which was 21st all-time when he retired. He, had, he was 14th all-time in assists when he retired among defensemen and 15th all-time in points when he retired as defenseman. But he only had 439 in 1,040 games. But guess this, get this, he was plus 462, which is more than the points he scored, which I didn't know was possible. Man. <laughs> he is sixth all time to this day and fifth all time in his retirement after Bobby Orr, Larry Robinson, Guy Lafleur, and Bobby Clark, which makes him a defenseman. I don't remember the last time if we've even seen a player who was plus more than he'd scored points, but Serge Savard is that player. He was 11th all time 
in uh, point shares among defensemen who retired as well, despite not scoring very much. And he was 16th all-time in defensive point shares. He is 16th all-time in defensive point shares to this day. He was fourth at his retirement behind only Tim Horton, Doug Harvey, and Marcel Pronovost. How did I do that? Um, and he was also 16th all-time in defenseman APG at his retirement, um, despite not having that many assists. Uh, he obviously, wait, that can't be, um, well, anyway, uh, oh, you know, it is, it is, sorry, I got confused by my own notes. Um, he obviously doesn't qualify for the goal three game or points per game qualifiers, uh, but he would have, at his retirement, he would have been 21st all-time in goals per game and 16th all-time in points per game if we lowered them low enough. Era-wise, of the 11 defensemen to play in at least 820 games or 10 modern seasons between 66 and 83, he's fifth in goals, fifth in assists, and fifth in points, which sounds really good, but per game-wise, he's last in per game um, in all of those categories. He's also uh, first in plus-minus by over 50, which is a lot. Some guys' careers, they're not even plus 50. Um, six in offensive point shares and first in defensive point shares by over five, which is a average Leo Wyman season. So uh, <laughs> there you go. Um, his 82 game average is 34 points, but plus 36, which I, I'm still, I'm not going to get over it. I'm not going to get over it. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. And his three year peak from 74 to 77 is an 80 game average of an incredible. 52 points, but plus 71. Much like some other uh, Habs and Flyers from the era, he was almost... He almost gained a goal per game in the plus-minus department at his best, which is just, given that he scored 13 goals on average <laughs> during those seasons, is very impressive. Um, and either is a testament either to his incredible defensive ability or the fact he was on the best team ever or some combination thereof. Playoff-wise, at his retirement... Sorry, I was just going to cut you off there. Yeah, Um, cut me off. (laughs) Just just like it just speaks to remarkable, how remarkable those Habs teams were, that you can have, you know, a, a player who doesn't put up the numbers himself but it's on the ice for so many good things happening. And just, you know, and I I think maybe that's the the sort of current here of like, if you just looked at his points, you're like, how the hell? And then you're just like, oh, he was a big part of that. (laughs) So, yeah. I mean, plus 71 when you have uh, 52 points is Mm -hmm. like, it breaks my brain a little bit. (laughs) Like, it's just like, like you you just, they just, the opponent just never scored against you, basically. Right? Like, (laughs) basically. It's crazy. Um, Playoff-wise, at his retirement, he was sixth all-time among defensemen in goals, eighth all-time in assists, and seventh all-time in points, as well as fifth all-time in uh, plus-minus behind Pop Fan, Robinson, or and Jimmy Watson. But he only had 68 points in 130 games, which, again, he, he was not on the ice to score goals. Uh, per game-wise, at his retirement among defensemen, he was 14th all-time in assists per game, and... Uh, Ninth all-time points per game, but that ninth is out of 11 players. He obviously doesn't qualify for goals per game, but if you lower the qualifier, he was sixth all-time in goals per game out of seven players. Um, but that's just because I, you know, I, I'm judging the stats a bit. Um, 
of the 14 defensemen to play in 82 playoff games between 66 and 83. He's fourth in goals, fifth, fourth in assists, and fifth in points. So he doesn't look that bad. In that case, he also played a lot of games. And, um, you know, it, he did have that one year that we're going to talk about where he did actually score. Um, adjustment for era doesn't it actually hurts him slightly it bumps him down the hockey reference one bumps him down minus three so he's 31 points for 82 games um he does not qualify for the versus x adjustment there are no trades but he was unceremoniously waived by the habs when he was 35 years old and then he went and played for um two miserable seasons with the winnipeg jets in which he was minus 35 so he was actually plus 497 for his career with the habs and his decision to continue playing for two years bumped him down to plus 462. And that plus 497 is in 917 games. Man. He only had 412 points. It's nuts. Anyway, so he finished top five in Norris voting four times. Um, I would have thought it was more, but but he also uh, famously won a con smite. And unlike there being some question about Dave Keelan's. Um, in this case, it's fairly clear we don't have ice time, but in this particular case, uh, he, he came in fourth on the team in scoring, um, but he's a defenseman. And yeah, I probably could have gone to Beliveau. Um Maybe I should have. I didn't watch it, but it's like, you know, the fact that he is fourth on the team in scoring, this is a guy who doesn't score, right? Um, he led all defensemen in scoring. And, um, I mean, the, uh, that was one of the years that the Habs split their goaltending duties. And um, that's the year that Roger Vachon had the insane, insane stats. Um, Worsley's stats are, are not as good, but, like, they split all the games. So it's hard to know. Um, I mean, you could have maybe given it to Belobo. Belobo had five more points than uh, Savard did, but of course Savard's a defenseman and a defenseman who doesn't score. So the fact that he had 10 points in 14 games, for him, that's extremely high. Yeah. Um, and I, of course, didn't watch it. but um, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if there was an injury there, and so he had to take on more of an offensive role. entirely possible. I mean, the other thing is, I don't know what's going on with Trombley. Trombley was their star defenseman before that. Um, yeah. I don't know if he maybe got hurt. I'll see how many games he played. Um, yeah. Oh, no, he only missed one game. He actually, Trombley had a bad playoff for him. He only had five points in 13 games. I don't so know. Maybe that was just sort of uh, Savard taking the reins and being like, I have to do this. And so That's mm-hmm. the thing, I think, with Savard, too. It's like playing with, with LaPointe and, and with Robinson and being part of the big three, uh, and I guess with Trombley at the beginning of his career, he, he didn't have to do that stuff, but I think he always could have if that was his role on the team, but it wasn't his role on the team. And yeah. so he didn't do it because team success was, Hey, I, you know, play extremely well defensively. I'm super hard to play against. And I eat minutes where the other team doesn't score at all. And that's my job. Like, that's and he very much, I mean, I know he was, up, um, he was paired with both LaPointe and Robinson at different points in their careers. And yeah. those guys were very much offensive defensemen. Um, so, you know, one of his jobs would have absolutely, you're absolutely right, would have been not to get caught. Yeah. You know. Um, he also won the Masterton, which nobody cares about. 
<laughs> he was a second team All Star uh, once, only once, and four All Star game appearances. Uh, appearances, so that doesn't look that great. Um, he was uh, by Hockey Reference's point shares. He was actually the best defensive player in '73, but um, that is something that you know only uh, um, you know I, it's a value thing, and who knows how accurate it really is. But he was a uh, top ten. Um, player overall by point shares once in 75 and he was a top five defensive player six times uh between 69 and 79 he also somehow managed to score 20 goals once which is mind-boggling given uh given how little he scored generally like he that's one fifth of his career goals that he scored in 75 i don't know what's going on there i guess he was on the power play maybe yeah he had 14 power play goals oh no those are assists uh he had eight power play goals Whereas the rest of his career, he had um, 15 for the entire rest of his career. So he he was being used on the power play more. We swear that. Anyway, um, he only had like 40 assists once, 60 assists once. But he was top five in plus minus four times, which is tied for the sixth most ever. Um, and lastly, he won some. You'll be shocked to learn that he won some Stanley Cups. He won seven. <laughs> That's so a lot. He, sorry? I said that's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. He was the MVP in 69. He was also the best defenseman by points, and he led the playoffs in plus-minus in 76 when they won. He was uh, top two in points, but led the playoffs in plus-minus again in 78. He was also a top two D by points on two other championship, uh, uh, champions in 73 and 79. And finally, he was a top four D – or sorry, not finally, penultimately – he was a top four uh, D by points in 77. And lastly, in 68, he was injured and he missed seven games. Um, but he won seven. And then he also won um, the World Cup in 76 when he was a depth player because, you know, um, you know, that's why uh, he's a defensive defenseman. And he also won the seven Summit Series. And my dog just got home. And so I apologize if you can hear him at all being really enthusiastic about <laughs> seeing me. About Serge Savard. Uh, yes, it's Serge Savard, buddy. That's who we're talking about. Your favorite hab. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, how do you feel? Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty obvious he belongs. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's – he was I, – I never watched him play, but, like, he was very clearly um, – he was doing something right. <laughs> I yeah, mean, well, that's it. He's one of like, like, you know, maybe the, maybe the premier defensive defenseman in the NHL, sort of. Yeah. You know, not not flashy, didn't put up big numbers, but like when when they talk about those Habs teams, and a lot of people, it's very hard to argue against. Uh, you know, maybe the greatest team ever to hit the ice. Yeah. Um, in the NHL, those big three, that was what made them almost impossible to beat because. There, there was always a great defenseman on the ice, like a Hall of Fame defenseman, and sometimes two of them were on the ice. And, and you know, like I've, I've brought this up before, but it's this was like the rich man's version of what we had in Anaheim for that one year when they had Pronger and Niedermeyer and Beauchemin all together. Yeah. And, and you know, Beauchemin was kind of like a maybe like a premier number three defenseman. Like, you know, most people would say, like, if you have a second pairing defenseman, he's about as good as you can get. 
Yeah. Still, so imagine that, but all three guys are Hall of Famers. And I can testify that Beauchemin was very much a premier number three defenseman because when they tried to make him work as the number one in Toronto, it did not work out. It did not work out. But in, in that role of like, hey, if we put you on the ice most of the time with one of yeah. Prongmeyer, yeah. you're like, you know, so like, okay, well, Pronger's got to like rest at some point. So <laughs> yeah, you, know, yeah. you can only play half the game. So we're going to need you to get out there at some point. Um, yeah. You know, when he was playing with either Niedermeyer or Pronger, or I can't remember who his D partner was, but uh, when, when he wasn't with those guys, when, when, they, when they would actually put Niedermeyer and Pronger together. But like, it was pretty formidable yeah. to play to always have a great defenseman on the ice was just exhausting to play against. And they just wore teams down like that. And I, I think that's absolutely what the Habs did. And, you know, it's like, the thing is, is like, I've sort of wondered this with Dallas Smith a little bit, though. I never, I never watched him play either, but like how much, you know, um, how much of Orr's like crazy, crazy scoring was the scoring was facilitated at least partially by having a, um, a partner like Dallas Smith who was just like, you know, I'm just going to like stay back and let you do your thing. And I'm going to do what I do very well, you know? And like Savard was, was doing this for, um, for two different players at different points in their career. My understanding is he played with LaPointe in the early seventies. And at some point switched over to Robinson. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, It's always tough with defensive defensemen, but given that he was part of the best team ever, given that he won the Smythe, he also, you know, he had another playoff where he also led at least a defenseman in points. He led multiple playoffs in plus minus. He is a ridiculous, I mean, like I said, before, before deciding to play for a terrible team, he was plus 497. And I, I just, given that he scored fewer points than that, it blows my mind. And it's kind of like, he must've been doing something right. It's a, you know, it's, it's a little bit like what I imagine people imagine about Langway had Langway been on a good team his entire career, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, only, only, uh, Savard had some playoffs where he actually scored. Whereas Langway didn't have many playoff runs, but also never scored when he was in the playoffs. Um, yeah, I mean, I certainly have no issue with it whatsoever. I have no idea where he ranks among those three guys. I mean, I would put Larry Robinson one. I have no idea between him and Guy Lapointe, but yeah. Um, all right. Uh, how do you feel about uh, Leo Boisvert? Uh, I'm I'm okay with giving him the boot. Uh, there's nothing that points to me that he should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I think you know we you definitely you regularly say when we talk about some of these guys like, well, what it's sort of mean to kick him out, and I think. I, I sometimes don't agree with you when you say that, but I think you're absolutely right here in that, like, there's, like, nothing on this resume that says, you know. Yeah. Like, maybe but we're like, missing something. Maybe if they if they move plus minus all the way back to 51, he would actually only be, like, minus 100 or something. Yeah, maybe. But, but like, um, I, that would still not be good, you know. It, it, it sucks for a guy who always played for bad teams and was probably a fine player. But, yeah. like, I, I don't think that, you know, with without the sort of the the accolades and and then the terrible plus minus and I know plus minus is kind of like a team stat but like to to be that low to not have any stats to jump out and it's like he played really he played a really long time and was like let's say good for a very long time yeah. but it's, the stats don't back him up he didn't win 
cups or you know trophies and it's like how how do we how do we want that guy in the hall of fame you know yeah. and it's it's nothing like you normally i say like you know it's you know somebody's on the edge and say like if somebody wants to buy me a beer and convince me like you're gonna have to buy me like a case of 12 like it's gonna take some very severe convincing for me to think that he he actually belongs in the hall of fame but yeah. maybe somebody who watched his whole career was like yeah he was a really good player for a really long time and just his teams were always awful and it's like it's kind of not his fault I, I feel bad but like i don't see anything that points to him being in and normally there's at least there's something redeeming about it or like, you know, there's one yeah. stat that goes, okay, that makes or sense. Or an award this, or something. Yeah, yeah, this is like nothing. I can't. I think. mean, yeah, he played for almost 20 years and he was top five in Norris winning once. And you got to think that that's like, if he was top five in Norris voting four or five times, I would be like, maybe, you know, because it wouldn't seem like a fluke anymore. But like, we know that the voters are kind of insane, right? The voters like the voters sometimes make some really weird choices, and I can totally see like the Boston writers just deciding one year that he's like he's having such a rough time being like one of the few reliable defenders on the Bruins. Let's just vote him for the Norris this year, just to, like make him feel better or something, you know? <laughs> and like I don't know, I just I'm with you. I don't see anything. Being top five in Norris voting once when only three years of career that award didn't exist. He never made a end of season All Star team. Um, you know, he was not, he was traded a whole bunch of times. He had one year when he was the best defenseman by points on a playoff team. He wasn't the playoffs that much. I get that that's not on him, but I don't know. I, I just, I think like you, I don't think there's anything here. And I think it's on people who think he belongs to make the case. Which, which, is, which is rare, right? Like he's yeah. already in and we're like, no, 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 convince us that he actually should be. Like, yeah, yeah. We, we really usually don't do that. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, I just don't see it. And I, I'm not surprised because I've actually heard he was a notorious induction, like from the internet. Um, I've seen him mentioned many times as like a, a, a like example of how bad the Hall of Fame is. And like looking at his stats, you're like, I can, I understand where that's coming from because it feels like he's a journeyman and who just happened to be, I mean, yeah, he was like, he was 10th all time in, in points by a defenseman in his retirement or whatever it was, sorry, 11th, but like, it's cause he played forever, you know? Yeah. And, um, and that's like, I don't know. just, it's, you know, I used to be much more of willing to, um, entertain long careers as being hall of fame worthy i don't know why i was but when i was younger i was and like now i just really like you know especially now with with how uh health has changed so much and how much easier it is to uh easier isn't the right word how much more resources players have to have long careers it's just i don't know i just don't think it's that impressive and otherwise i don't i don't see anything here to to say so okay dave keon uh yeah i think he's uh given that he was on all those uh sort of legendary teams and you know uh was a, a premier defensive forward before awards existed for that um you know led the playoffs in scoring once won a con smite however debatable that might be um you know i 
maybe maybe he's not the, the absolute strongest candidate or like an absolute lock, but I don't see a reason to kick him out. So yeah, I'm 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 where you are often with this. I feel like I'm very willing for people to buy me a beer either way. If someone wants to convince me he doesn't belong, I'm very open to it. I used to feel that way when I was younger and first looked at his stats. And if someone wants to buy me a beer and convince me that he was the best defensive forward in the 1960s, go crazy. Yeah, I don't, I'm I'm good. Uh, I I used to have strong feelings about it. Now I, I think if he, uh, I think it's unfair to him and all the other defensive forwards before him that the Selkie was created in the late 70s. And you know, yeah. I think he probably belongs, but I, I, I can't say definitively, but I think probably. Lastly, Serge Savard. Uh, yeah, I, you know, premier defensive defenseman yeah. uh, showed that when required, he could do uh, things like score a whole bunch and just yeah. that wasn't what he needed to do. And part of, you know, arguably the greatest team of all time. Yeah. I yeah. Like he's a slam dunk, right? Yeah, I think so. All right, cool. Well, that's yeah. it for us uh, this episode. Um, I don't know yet. We don't know yet whether uh, next episode will be uh, another class or whether it will be one of our new top ten lists. We have to figure that out, but please check that out in the future. And thank you for listening to this one. We will see you next time.